0: Welcome to the Super Data Science Show. For this special 500th episode, we're going to enjoy a mind-expanding Yoga Nidra session led by the wonderful yogi, Jess Allen. Jess Allen, can't believe you're on the Super Data Science Podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. I was thinking for a while, I was thinking for months, when I noticed that episode 500 was coming up in what was months ago, the distant future. And now it's not that far away. (laughs) Episode 500 will be released very soon. And we're recording it right now. And so I was thinking to myself for months, I was like, what can I do that would be extra special for the audience for episode 500? And time and again, the idea that kept coming back to me was you offering a yoga nature practice. So now here you are.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So happy to be here.
0: Um, So I've known you for a long time. I started doing yoga practice, like the poses of yoga in 2012. I was living in Singapore and once a week on Saturdays at this mixed martial arts gym I was a part of they had this yoga class and I was sore a lot from all the mixed martial arts. And so I was like, I really need to stretch. So stretching, that's what yoga is. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, uh, we'll get into this, but that yoga is a lot more than stretching. Um, but that's what I thought at the time. And so I went to the Saturday class and I remember the opening up of my body. Like literally, I mean, the physical postures are helpful for opening you up. I remember, Feeling amazing in a way that I hadn't couldn't remember having felt later that Saturday later that day So I went back started going back every Saturday left Singapore moved to New York and uh, Not long after that I went to a yoga studio in Manhattan in NoHo and you were one of the teachers there and I had a class with you that was incredible completely beyond the quality of any yoga class I'd ever had before. And at the end of the class, you said, all right, well, you know, that was my, uh, I can't remember what the classes were called.
2: Um, They were really simple names, like strong, "Energize," relax.
0: Right. So it was, so, so, you know, it wouldn't surprise you, even with, with what I've just said, and certainly just the way you know me, but I was there for the strong classes, you know, the strong yoga So I would have come for your strong class. And then at the end of it, you were like, and in 10 minutes or something, I have another class starting a relaxed class in the same studio. And I was like, Oh, all right. And I stayed for that. So it was like three hours or something of yoga with you just to kick things off. And now I've been following you around the world. So that was like eight years ago. And I've gone on retreats with you to Mexico, to Greece, and have been to classes at studios of yours, studios that you've taught at all over New York. Um, So anyway, huge fan. And I think you're going, I know episode 500 is going to be amazing. (laughs) So um, in episode 450, we had Steve Fasarian, whom you've met once. He came to a yoga uh, class of yours once. And Steve... Talk to us about the physiological benefits of yoga nidra, like improved sleep, for example, is one of the things that he talked about. And at the end of the episode, he did a quick five minute run through of kind of like the structure of a yoga nidra practice. And so for today's episode, we're going to do a full practice. But before we get to that, I'd like to talk a bit about what yoga means and what it means to be a yoga practitioner. So as I've now learned in the, in the last decade, yoga is not just stretching. And yoga is not even just the physical postures. So what in yoga are called the asana, the physical postures, that's part of it. But I mean, just tell us more generally what yoga is all about. <laughs>
2: well, I have to comment on you, your language of stretching and opening because even those two words, you are referring to them in your physical form, but it is still their, their expansion words. <laughs> They're words that also mean to expand. And right. yoga, you know, you, it, it means union or to yoke. But it's it's to become unified consciously with the one consciousness. It's to remember that we don't have to come together because we're not apart (laughs) we don't have to unify we are unified and so we expand our awareness of consciousness through practice to remember that we are consciousness ourselves. that the essence of us and all things is pure consciousness so as you stretch your body you stretch your consciousness as you open your body you open your consciousness you expand you expand your awareness of yourself of how you hold patterns of what it feels like to be in a human form of how you relate to emotions and programming and as you become aware of yourself you start to become aware of your interactions with everything. So even starting with the asana as a practice is incredibly expansive. And I think we all experience that in the beginning. We're like, whoa, and I feel more connected to myself. And life starts opening up because I'm opening to myself, which is how we experience everything. And then at a certain point, our curiosity, if we feel called to continue to expand our consciousness, takes us into different states of, of practice. And, and um, I think, you know, ultimately, as uh, starting also as a very strong yogic uh, asana practitioner, and then in my journeys over the past decade, coming down to to settling into a practice such as Yoga Nidra, which is laying on the ground doing nothing there's been quite a journey but this is where the expansion of consciousness and understanding understanding that has taken me and i think it's just important to note that like we're not expanding consciousness just our awareness of consciousness consciousness is always expanding on its own so these practices bring us into relationship with the natural expansion of life,
1: as opposed to feeling like it's something that we are separate from.
0: A beautiful definition. So in this decade of practicing yoga, uh, you started off teaching these kind of athletic classes. There was still a, you know, there were meditative elements, um, it was through my early yoga practices and particularly through your classes that I started to be present in the moment, in the room, in my own mind for a few (laughs) instants. And I remember thinking, like being on a yoga mat, doing a yoga flow and being like, oh, wow, I'm here. I've got hands. My hands are on the mat. There they are. Um, And not being caught up in the next thing that i need to do or things that i'd done that day that i could have done better and so anyway so you started with the physical uh teaching the physical asana practice about a decade ago and that has now um that has now transformed as you're saying to include things like yoga nidra and so yoga it, it can be a big umbrella term to capture the physical postures, like asana, nidra, like you said, laying down um, and surely not doing nothing, but not moving. <laughs> um, and uh, lots of other is kind of you can think of it as like a philosophy of life. There's, you know, teachings, there's literature that you can read. I have experienced that. I've you know been to your apartment in Brooklyn and studied the Upanishads. Uh, which are uh, Hindu scripture and studying those week after week uh, with a group of people. Um, and there are books like that. The Bhagavad Gita is a popular one in yoga. And so there's these books that you can use to learn about yoga as a way of life, as opposed to just postures. But what I'm specifically getting to is um, today, what do you offer as a yoga practitioner? So, we're going to talk about Yoga Nidra a lot. So that's obviously something that you offer and we're going to experience on this podcast. Um, you also have a weekly online asana, physical practice. Um, I know you still do retreats. There's one coming up in Greece in September. Um, and it sounds like I've also heard you recently been getting into coaching. So maybe tell us about all of those things.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, so I guess I... in. I am an intuitive
2: being and we all are intuitive beings. And um, I've always related to myself as an artist first growing up. This was really what it was for me. And um, so my path with yoga and practices have been really circular and um, I'm a curious being. So I actually was uh, a gymnast growing up, and I took my first yoga class when I was 17, and it was a little slow for me at the time. But I remembered understanding it because of the postures and creating sequences and having body awareness that I learned, and I understood it to be a self-discipline even at that age. And there was something magical that clicked for me in the opening of awareness. And like many of us at that age, like I was in a pretty knotted relationship with myself and I did my first teacher training when I was 21. And the most amazing thing for me in that training was learning about the chakra system and the energetic systems of our bodies. Cause this is how I really, um, was, I was looking for the magic, right? I I didn't want the answer in a scientific way. I wanted to understand life the way I was understanding and receiving it, which was through feeling and awe and magic and alignment synchronicity. So I had a, a, you know, a rough start in my healing, my early 20 healing years. And when I finally really came back to yoga, it started with the asana and it was so important for me at the time because it Gave me confidence to change my life. It showed me that I could learn things and build strength and figure out tricky asanas. And it empowered me to go, I can change my life. I can figure these things out. And that was really important to me then. Mm -hmm. And since then, um, basically I started practicing and teaching at the same time in that way. Like I had been practicing for a while when I came back to it, I was like, this is what I have to do. I have to teach. And so my practices and my teachings have gone like this. So as I have like they've they've one in front of the other, like little steps, you know, they they right. like a little right. Right. track. And so I would have an opening in myself and feel called towards something. And then once I would feel like it was embodied in my being, I would want to give it back. And so one of my favorite things to do, and what I started doing as or early in my teaching was um, cultivating my own classes at different venues in New York in the early days in Brooklyn. And then I started leading retreats. And so retreats have been like, just the most magical experiences for me to create. Over the past five years, I've led, I think, like, 17 retreats in that time. And Uh. um, it's, just the most amazing thing to bring as you have felt a couple times, a group of human beings together in a particular place for a particular amount of time and just really dive in and like magic is super available. So that is like forever passion of mine. And I'll always be offering those tricky in the world right now, but we are going to Greece and in a month and I'm Mm -hmm. working on Bali or Morocco over the winter. So that's happening. Um, This last year.
0: Yeah. To, to just talk quickly about the retreat experience. I don't know. I've only done yoga retreats with you. So I might not have a, a really good understanding of what they're like, but I might have thought prior to going on them with you that a yoga retreat was this kind of intensive physical practice. You know, and of course I expect the same kinds of, you know, as like you're saying, as I open myself physically, I'll open my mind and I'll have yeah, I'll have this you know ama- amazing positive experience getting to take a break away from the world and do lots of yoga with cool people and talk to them. But the way that you structure your retreats, and it sounds to me like the way you increasingly structure them, is so that yes there is a physical practice. So probably twice a day. So there's like a morning practice and evening practice on most days. But there's tons of other deliberate practice of journaling of answering tough questions together in a structured way um, of getting to know what people are like in a structured way and what your own mind is like and what you are like and what you want and what you could be doing and what you could do in the future. And Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'm trying to make a case for yoga retreats in general and yoga retreats in particular with you. But if you want to get away from the regular patterns that you're in in the other 50 weeks of the year and spend a week or two of your year just taking a step back and thinking about what am I doing?
2: Well, that's what (laughs) retreat means, right? It means to step back. It means to withdraw yourself from a moment. Right. And I know that you meditate every day. And one aspect of meditation is just in, that, in the beginning to just become a witness to your mind and to your life. And we don't give ourselves enough time to really see how we're living and see how we're seeing And so, when we intentionally remove ourselves, we can go on vacation and that can feed us in a million ways. And when you retreat, you draw back consciously and engage in inner practices. Things I'm doing now are like asana in the morning, meditation, yoga nidra, yin, sound, cacao ceremony, silence, Um, all different kinds of workshops to awaken you. And this really has been my path with practice is finding all these different things to serve as mirrors to who we are. Um, I have like told myself that I'm on a path of many mirrors because this is so exciting to me to go in and like I started with asana and at a certain point like and the energetic systems and then I moved into Qigong and I moved into meditation and I moved into cacao and journaling and different aspects of meditation and yoga nidra and and more you know but each of these little things showed me a different perspective of myself a different piece a different way to see myself a
1: different way to experience myself and this helps us see the world in in that many
2: ways if i can see myself in this many ways Right. I can only access in another being as much as I've accessed of myself. I can only access in life as much as I have accessed in, in me. So the more I understand how diverse and expansive I am, the more diverse and
1: expansive my life can be. And something I want to just highlight is that, um,
2: it's, when we talk about yoga and we talk about expanding consciousness and or expanding our awareness of consciousness, it's like, what's the point? What's the point in all of this? There's like a lot of big fancy words and that's like, cool, you know, to be spiritual and everything. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm one and to conceptually but but like, what is the point? What's the point in doing practice? What's the point in showing up every single day and, you know, then we get into this, this big word, which is healing. <laughs> healing is the point. You know, we are wanting, I think all of us are wanting to live a life with less mm-hmm. suffering. And we are part of a collective evolution that is at the pace that it is at. And the first thing we do is heal ourselves and as we heal ourselves we create a ripple in consciousness that continues to stimulate awakenings all over the place and that's how the one organism of humanity wakes up but even just for us on an individual level if i can observe my life without so much attachment to outcomes expectations stories of the past things that i want things that i'm not okay with if i'm able to loosen my grip Can I live with more grace? Can I feel more joy? Can I feel more gratitude? Can I allow things that are uncomfortable for me to come through my field and move out without completely destroying my day or longer than that? And so these practices are really like, can you associate yourself? Can you learn to relate to the part of you that is unchanging, the conscious witness that we all are? Can you relate to that? enough that the fluctuations of life and the mind no longer whip you around like a ship out in a storm. And, mm-hmm. and, and when we can do that, we just naturally become more loving and more compassionate and more understanding of the fluctuations of everything around us. So if I can show up and say, I, you know, I'm an, I'm working myself towards understanding the one consciousness and surrendering over to an evolutionary current that i am not in control of but i am a witness to well now i'm i'm so free i'm so free to step into life and and be forgiving of everything that i can't control and return to what are the universal truths my teacher yoga rupa rad striker who has who i received my yoga nidra um, training with that i resonate with the most he says if it's not true for everyone it's not true and this is something i come back to like if it's not true for everyone it's not true and that's not to say your experience isn't valid your feelings aren't valid all of the all of them are true and valid. But what is the ultimate truth? And, can I, and I, can I remember that piece in myself so that I'm not only Jess Allen who lived in Brooklyn for 12 years and just moved upstate and used to teach there and now does this, right? I'm not only those things, which is challenging and confusing to, to, to be
1: my emotions, my actions, my relationships. That's hard. So I'm not only that.
0: All right. So obviously your retreats sound amazing. Yoga retreats in general sound amazing and can be hugely fruitful, but not everyone, especially in a pandemic can get up and fly to Greece. So, um, how are ways that people can engage with you to get mentorship in some other way?
1: Yeah. Um,
2: well, one thing that the pandemic has definitely opened up has been the online platform. And I started a Patreon account really as like a response to all of the yoga studios getting shut down about a year and a half ago. And it's been such an amazing opportunity to share content. And so I've got that platform that has tons of asana practices, yoga nidras, meditation, some workshops, and I get on and do lectures every once in a while. And what that has really opened for me is this understanding of empowering the practitioner at home so that we don't aren't actually relying on going to a yoga studio every single day or even going on retreats you know which is something that you might only be able to do once a year if that anyway and what has become very apparent to me is that what we need is more practitioners <laughs> as opposed to teachers there's a lot of teacher training programs out there and that's great and also you spend a good amount of time learning how to teach in a teacher training which might not necessarily be what you want to do and I believe that we need to all be in practice this is how we are waking up to ourselves and to our life and so I have recently started mentorship for practitioners so I've been doing mentorship for teachers for many years newer teachers teachers who want to go deeper and that is really amazing and I love to get into that work from that teacher mindset And I've started um, in the past few months doing mentorship for practitioners. So basically that looks like us meeting and dissecting, like, let's look at what's happening in life right now. Let's look at what you're feeling on creating, expanding, opening within yourself. And then the past really like, you know, decade or more than that of me being super living in practice, living in practice and navigating my life through practice and be able to help you build a practice for yourself and navigate where you want to go and give you the tools so that you feel empowered to be able to take these tools into your own life, even when I'm not around. And that's really the goal is to empower your own intuition and. Feel like you have enough tools and enough knowledge that you can care for yourself and that you have antidotes um, and medicine in your life to come to every day. And this has been an amazingly rewarding practice for myself to offer in this kind of way and see people start to blossom and just get so excited about practice and empower and empower them to take control in their own life and on a regular basis. Um, I don't go a day without practicing. I can't imagine what that would be like.
1: However, it doesn't, it doesn't look the same every day. And that's important to know too.
0: That sounds really cool. And so a yoga practitioner can be anyone, right? So like a yoga teacher, we kind of think of that as like, okay, maybe you need, I mean, you you don't actually, but you kind of think of it as needing a formal qualification and then being able, being qualified to stand in front of a room and talk to people. Being a yoga practitioner means just practicing (laughs) the teachings of yoga and experiencing more connection with everything around you.
2: Absolutely. And this is, this is, this is the key to us. We're not all going to be yoga teachers. We're not all going to be meditation teachers and spiritual teachers, but we are all beings of yoga or beings of spirituality. And we can be that.
0: Beautifully said, Jess. And I'm looking forward to reviewing the recording and experiencing everything that you just said there again, <laughs> <laughs> because that was awesome. Um, I, I I guess we should get into the Yoga Nidra practice. I mean, I think we've teed it up really well now. So um, we had a bit of an introduction to Yoga Nidra in episode 450 with Steve, but you teach Yoga Nidra from a different lineage. So I think we might as well just hear it fresh from you. So what is Yoga Nidra? What are we about to experience?
1: Yeah. Um,
2: So I actually, the lineage that I am,
1: teaching in is the Sri Vidya
3: tradition. My teacher is Yoga Ruparad This,
1: These practices um, and the interpretation of Yoga Nidra,
2: the way that he has received them from his teacher and were passed to me, um, are from the Mandukya Upanishad. So straight from the Upanishadic literature, which speaks to the four states of consciousness and the actual technique of of yoga nidra and yoga nidra being both a practice and a state. So when you say yoga, like yoga is not just a practice. There are yoga practices, but yoga is a state of being. It's the state of being, you know, connected consciously and so this yoga um, nidra means sleep which steve probably spoke to and so yoga nidra means sleep with yoga or sleep with consciousness so it's to come into a state where you've rested your entire body mind all of that is asleep but consciousness is still there consciousness still exists So the the way I have also been um, passed information in this lineage is through having different, uh, a handful of different intentions for the practice. One of those being healing and general healing, which sounds like is what Steve really spoke to in the physiological healing of the body, the nervous system, um, getting immense amount of rest, which is so, 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 so important. Another, um, Intention that we'll be diving into today in the practice is a cognitive practice, which allows us to associate ourselves with the witness consciousness and then observe the way our mind is producing thought and what is it is retaining through our days, through our life, and if those things are beneficial to us or not, and then if we want to continue to explore how to work with our awareness to perhaps bring more grace into our life. There's also a transformative practice, which we can take things that are triggering or activating or that we're having challenges with in our life and bring them into this soft state of yoga nidra and activate them in our being and then ask for resolution or healing imagery, Um, not necessarily mental-based conversational solutions, but felt, energetic, healing for these things to bring ourselves into a state of peace and to be able to work with them with more grace there's also the practice of sankalpa which Steve may have spoke to also Um, this is a practice of creating a resolve for yourself that is Mm -hmm. like an intention that is almost almost something bigger than you think that you can do on your own So you call for divine intervention. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be like a really big intention, something around eight to 12, eight to 18 months, even like this kind of this, a goal this big, right? Nothing that you're like, I can do that next month. Like at least a year, (laughs) you're intending, you're calling in this prayer. And then the, the, the primary intention and, and at the basis of all of this is, spiritual awakening or becoming unified with consciousness and 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 resting in that one consciousness so there are different several different kinds of techniques techniques to work within these spaces and they're they're almost a progression not that one is better than the other but that we have to first heal our bodies understand our minds transform our perspectives create goals from a pure place create fulfilling lives for ourselves from that awareness and then be able to like rest back enough to awaken into the magic of truth so the the way i use these techniques is they're all over the place they're they're not this linear progression that our mind wants to grip onto because we have like that past future ladder mentality they're, everything is circular so they work together and part of practice is like knowing
1: when one can come in and, and one, one, when they shift, um, it's very deep.
2: It's extensive. One thing I do want to share that was one of the greatest insights I received, I have received through this work is that when you set up the conditions for healing, healing happens on its own. And we're really attached to us being the doer and us changing ourselves, whether that's through, you know, physical change. We feel like we have to, I'm using my hands here because I feel like we feel like we have to grip and change and mutate and that we, that it's only our will that creates change in our life. But that's not true. We do have to be an active participant, but our soul calls us into alignment and we, It's just our job to walk towards our own soul or our own vision. And healing is really the natural state. So we talk about this as like a remembering of who we are. We're not learning something new. We're just uncovering the truth. And so when you lay yourself down and you come into a space of unity, you remember and that healing starts to happen on its own because as your body, not even your mind, but as your body and your cells, your nervous system start to remember that you are safe, you are loved, you are held by this earth that you came from her, that we are connected to one source, all of these other fears and anxieties, they start to dissipate the more that we remember our truth. The more we see the illusions of these fears. And so we can work into the healing through coming into love, coming into love, coming into love, instead of how do I get through this pain? How do I get through this pain? How do I get through this pain? Right. So the Yoga Nidra practice that we are going to be diving into in this episode is the cognitive practice that I spoke to, in which we will use. Um, entering the state of yoga nidra as a foundation for us to bring awareness to our mind um, our days how we are seeing what we are remembering and get a better
1: perspective even an eagle view of our life so for this practice you will want to be laying down and 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 be comfortable.
2: Being comfortable is one of the most important things (laughs) in this practice. So I'll give you a moment just to set up. You could lay down on the floor with a blanket underneath you and a pillow underneath your head. You could lay on a
1: couch. Um, You could lay in your bed. It doesn't matter as long as you're comfortable. It is recommended, although not necessary, if you're in a very light-filled room, to cover your
2: eyes with a light piece of fabric. And if you're cold at all, to place a blanket over over your chest or over your legs. If you are placing a blanket over you, it's recommended that the fingertips are exposed, so you can just let your hands slip out the sides or even create little tents underneath the blanket with your hands so that the
1: fingertips are sensitive and aware of of
3: space around them without weight. So just
1: making your final adjustments here and perhaps even fidgeting
2: a little bit in the body, if there's excess energy You could squeeze your
1: hands and squeeze your feet just for a moment and then exhale and
3: let them go so you can feel that release. And then you'll just want to commit in this moment to
1: being still throughout the duration of the practice. So if you feel the urge to move or adjust now, just do it so that you can say, okay, now I'm comfortable enough to be here
3: for the next 15 minutes. And just notice your breath. Allow your body to open to the earth,
1: the back body to become sensitive to the
3: draw of gravity, perhaps even feeling how deeply held you are. And then that feeling of of being held, give your body any amount more over the rest. Become aware of yourself in the space. There is a floor or a piece of furniture underneath you,
1: walls around you, ceiling above you, and you are occupying this space, and the space
3: is holding you. Just becoming aware of any sound,
2: allowing your consciousness or your awareness to just travel to one sound and the next, not lingering too long on any sound,
3: rather just tuning yourself to the textures of this space. bringing your awareness to your breath
1: and specifically down to your belly and just gently beginning to shape diaphragmatic breathing. So on purpose, breathe into the belly and breathe out of the belly. So the chest here is more or less still and you're directing the breath down into the diaphragm. We'll breathe like this for about a minute. Consciously
3: shaping the breath. In two more breaths. After that second exhale, just allow the breath to return
1: to a natural state, just simply observe
3: the breath flowing. You'll make an intention for yourself here to stay
1: aware throughout the practice. So there's a good chance that the body will sleep And a small chance that the mind could even sleep. But our intention is for awareness to remain. So just say to yourself three times mentally, I will stay aware throughout the
3: practice. Now, please bring your awareness to the third
1: eye center or the space right in between your eyebrows. And notice as you do this, a gentle energy emerges. It might feel like a soft light, but there is a presence here. And just notice that presence that is
3: already existing, but it awakens through your awareness. And then bring your awareness to your throat center
1: and notice that same light or energy emerging
3: with your awareness in the throat. Right shoulder joint,
1: a light or awareness comes from inside the body.
3: Right elbow, same light or presence. Right wrist, light inside the body. Energy from within, right thumb, pointer finger. Middle finger, ring finger, pinky finger, all emerging light. Again, in the right wrist, presence, consciousness, right elbow,
1: right shoulder joint, same light or presence emerging from within.
3: Again, in the throat center. Feel that light. Left shoulder joint.
1: Again, a presence emerging from within the body, creating softness.
3: Left elbow. Inner presence. Left wrist. Light emerging. The left thumb. Pointer finger, middle finger, ring finger, pinky finger, full of energy and light, left wrist, presence from within, left elbow, left shoulder, inner light, throat center,
1: Awareness now in the heart center. Feel an energy, a light presence emerge with your awareness of the space
3: of the heart. Same awareness over to the right side of the chest. Back to the heart center. Awareness now in the left side of the chest. and heart center, feeling that light. Awareness again in the throat center.
1: And landing the consciousness in the third eye center, the space right in between the eyebrows.
3: And just allowing the consciousness to remain Notice here that the consciousness bears witness to these energy points.
1: And observe as you allow all of these points of energy or light to illuminate at the same time from within.
3: Watching the brightening of these lights. Allowing that energy to keep the body soft.
1: Bringing your awareness back to the dark space behind the brows, behind the forehead, the dark screen of your mind. And beginning 30 minutes ago, recall on that screen. What you are doing, and then begin to trace back your entire day until this moment in 30 minute intervals, just allowing yourself to pass over interactions, actions,
3: thought, feeling. Right until you woke up this morning. A few minutes to do this. As you approach the morning, can you see yourself in bed right before you woke up? And recall any dreams from the night, encouraging the mind to continue to move in intervals through the evening of sleep. And then perhaps becoming aware of the moment right before you fell asleep. Allow yourself now to
1: release the hold of memory and draw
3: back so that you may witness anything that was less than beneficial or didn't sit in the most pleasant resonance from even just this day. And just from this state of witness, gently assess Invite awareness to these areas of your life. With
1: compassion and mere awareness, so awareness doesn't judge, simply witnesses. Can you allow everything that you've drawn out of your mind to exist and bring yourself back to the witness consciousness or the place in you that sees?
3: And rest in this consciousness as self. without moving the body at all, simply become aware of the breath in this state. And again, keeping the body
1: very soft. Bring your awareness back
3: into the room,
1: feeling yourself again in this space, on the surface,
3: contained. taking just another moment
1: to hold close to you anything that you'd like to carry with you outside of this practice.
3: You could even plant that like a seed in your heart. And when it feels right for you, you could very gently move your fingers. Take a deeper breath in. I
1: like to place my hands on my belly or my heart as the first movement
2: to keep things gentle without jolting too much out of this
3: sensitive space. Just feeling my palms and the breath meet each other. And whenever you are
1: ready, knowing that you could just continue to lay right where you are, you could also shift to a side, come up to sit, and eventually invite yourself back into
3: your room, and the waking part of your life. so welcome back
1: from that um exploration Mm.
2: this thank you yeah (laughs) thank you i just want to note that um again, this is a practice that helps us to just bring a more awareness into our life. And um, it's something that you could even do as a cognitive practice before you go to bed at night, like five minutes, retrace your day. And it improves memory in general. And it's also um, just really good for maintaining awareness in our life and being able to assess and shift anything that isn't really serving us. Um, and when we do it in that state of yoga nidra, we're also able to
1: relate to that unchanging piece of us that is, it is not our
3: mind, but can work with it.
0: Yeah, I had not done that before. I had not gone through a nidra practice like this before and i've done nidras with you but i think it was before you started studying this particular lineage and i really was blown away by how many things i've already done today (laughs) uh we're filming in mid-afternoon and wow so many things already happened and you talked a lot about healing and something that occurred to me just now is how happy I am with so many of the things that I did today, that I feel like I was, you know kind to people around me and that I'd um, you know, I was taking on kind of the right priorities for my day. Um, but there were also a couple things that came to mind that I was like, huh, there's a little thing that like, it definitely had been better, that interaction could have been kinder there. And uh, yeah, very cool, Jess. It does sound like something that would be super helpful at the end of the day, in particular, laying in bed and maybe even then bringing that peace into my sleep.
2: Yeah, there is. If you practice enough, you'll Mm -hmm. start recalling your subconscious dreams, which are also that's a whole other topic, but has a lot of information, just information about how
1: the mind is processing our desires in our life.
0: Nice. Well, listener, I hope you enjoyed this extra special episode 500 of the super data science show. Jess, how should people be aware of everything that you do, everything that you have to offer? How can people follow you (laughs) in the world?
1: Well,
2: I have an Instagram, you know, that's, this is the way of the world today. <laughs> it's just my name. It's Jess Allen. I do spell my name with one S. So it's J E S A L L E N. The handle has little dots in between each of the letters, but you should find me anyway, just mm-hmm. my name. And my website is also jessallen.com and you can find all my retreats, my online content, mentorship programs, Um, I'll be coming out with some group programs also soon that will be accessible in the virtual world. So both all all my content and interactions are on on both of those platforms and they seem to be best and easiest. There's also some free content on SoundCloud as far as yoga nidras and some meditations go. So you could also start by tuning in there.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Jess. And we will include links to all three of those, uh, Instagram, website, and SoundCloud, which I enjoyed in the run up to filming this episode, uh, as if I needed extra uh, content to be sure that this was the perfect thing for this episode. Uh, I did thoroughly enjoy a couple of Nidras that you had up on there on SoundCloud. All right. Thank you so much, Jess. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll catch you again soon.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's beautiful to be here.